Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What does the future hold for St. Louis and how do we get there? This is Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome in. Michael and Travis with you. Are you hot? Are you cold right now? How's your temperature, Travis? Are you like hot or nodding me? Wasn't that wasn't like the origins of Facebook, hot or not? But we're not talking about looks here. We're talking about your home temperature. Yeah, you're feeling. How is that air in your home? And if it's too hot or cold, do you have to get up, walk to the hallway, change the thermostat, or can you just pick up your phone? Even better, does your thermostat just know and just do it for you? That's where we're going. Yeah, and you know, I think that most people think of the smart home technology, but very few probably understand that. A lot of that is developed here in St. Louis at companies like Emerson. Yeah, Emerson's Sensi thermostat is the energy star of the year for two years in a row. So we're going to talk with a vice president at Emerson Commercial and Residential Solutions uh, to find out not just about this cool product and uh, some of the deals, by the way, if you're an Ameren customer, that you can get on this, but uh, also about the fact that this this is a huge um uh, lane when it comes to smart home, Travis. A lot of people have Nest. Maybe they've heard of the Nest thermostat, or they have a different um, uh, a home security system that hooks into their thermostat, and now Emerson's got this one, and Emerson's is a St. Louis product. Well, and not only is it a St. Louis product, but they have been hyper-involved in hiring St. Louis talent, and so this is not just an energy product company. This is also a tech company, and so they are hiring software engineers out of some of the local programs. So it'll be great to get an update on what's going on with them and the role that they play in in really the growth of St. Louis. So stay tuned. We'll take you inside of Emerson. And then you've heard the news, big news, big jobs coming to Nashville. Oracle has decided to place, I don't know if they're calling it a second headquarters, uh, but it's $1.2 billion of investment and 8,500 jobs. They, they moved their headquarters from California to Austin, Texas, and now this big campus is going to Nashville. And we're going to check in with Jason Hall from Greater St. Louis, Inc. to get his perspective on things and find out if, if was St. Louis even in the running, what is St. Louis doing as it prepares for trying to attract uh, new ventures and expansions to the St. Louis region. Yeah, we've seen some people posting this on social and saying, 
I would love St. Louis to have a big announcement like this. There was a major announcement last year. Jason will remind us of that and also tell us what's ahead. What is St. Louis doing to position itself for these kinds of opportunities in the future? Great conversation coming up on that. Yeah, so a lot to hear about, a lot to discuss. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Nothing Impossible right after this. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. What's the temperature inside your home right now? If you want to change it, do you have to get up and walk to the hallway? There is technology that takes care of that for you. And one of the major devices in this space comes from a St. Louis area-based company, Travis. Yeah, and what's great, uh, I mean, when we were prepping for this interview, I had flashbacks to 2014 and Global Hack and, yes. you know, some early conversation and toying around with uh, the, the smart thermostat, the Sensei thermostat from, from Emerson. So this is like a, this is a way back machine brought to today again. I love it. Following up, that was, that was fun going to those global hacks and interviewing all the different teams and the projects that they were working on. Well, let's find out what the latest is with Emerson, Vice President of Software Solutions at Emerson Commercial and Residential Solutions joins us now. Josh Weaver, thanks for joining us, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having us. So first of all, just tell us about this thermostat. What is it and what can it do? Yeah, so I mean, essentially, as a homeowner, you, you kind of called out in the beginning, do you really want to walk over and change it? There's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, you can control it anywhere in the world. And uh, it does a little bit of diagnostics that lets you know how much your system has been running, for example. So it kind of gives you more of a pulse on your energy consumption, as well as your comfort in your home. This is a smart thermostat, but this I hope would make us smarter consumers of, of electricity and, and a resource like this. What behavioral changes have you seen from, from the humans that, are, that have something like Sensei or have Sensei in their homes? Yeah, so with Sensei, what we've seen is if you let people know how they're consuming energy and you also give them convenient ways to modify their schedule, for example, to make sure that they're not constantly cranking their AC or their heat, you see substantial energy savings, uh, which is why we got the Energy Star Partner of the Year Award. Uh, we were able to actually show true energy savings across our consumer base. And what are the different features? For instance, you can schedule ahead. Does it uh, pick up on your schedule and make any changes for you? Geofencing. Talk about some of these, um, these um, uh, uh, features that uh, kind of take the temperature off the front of your mind. You don't have to think about it, really. Yeah, great question. So you can set a schedule like you would with any other thermostat, right? Uh, the geofencing feature that you reference, essentially it takes advantage of the fact that all your phones can, if you want, um, let devices know when you're home or not. So we implement something we call a setback so that when you're not at home, it doesn't go as aggressive with maintaining the temperature you'd like, uh, which can result in significant amount of energy savings. And then the other thing that we do is we partner with utility companies, for example, Ameren. And Ameren can allow you to, if you'd like, you can opt into this, to set back energy when it's in most demand. What, is, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so it's actually a big problem. Uh, if you look at energy consumption across the nation, they have this thing they call a duck curve. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe with just audio, but essentially what happens is uh, you've got two peaks during the day. You've got one in the morning for energy consumption, and you got one in the evening when everybody comes home. 
And that thing when you come home is actually a gnarly problem because if you're an energy company, uh, you can't just make your factory or your energy production go up that much more, right? Uh, so then at that point, you either have to buy it from someone else, which is very expensive, or you have to build a whole bunch of new infrastructure and burn a bunch more energy, which is not efficient. Okay. Yep. Well, and I, I would imagine given the last 15 months of people working from home, uh, there's been maybe even more energy consumption uh, because they're not, they're, they're not leaving during the day. Like they, uh, they're not returning to the house because they've been there the entire day. Yeah, Travis, you're actually spot on. Um, the other th- part of this is, if you think about it, big commercial buildings, in the United States at least, are actually pretty efficient compared to everybody sitting in their own homes running their HVAC system, right? So you have an overall increase in energy across the grid by having everybody staying at home. So it amplifies the challenge, essentially. So we've seen a lot of energy companies, not just in St. Louis, but across the United States, come to us uh, with this as part of a solution to this problem. Uh, and I, I'll segue a little bit. In China, they actually had this thing called district heating. I think they still have it, uh, where they literally heat city blocks. And they basically turn it on uh, at the beginning of uh, the cold season for them, and they turn it off in the end. And they just burn a ton of coal to do this. And they heat these buildings, buildings at a time, and they basically just pump in as much heat as they can. So it used to be when you'd walk through China, you'd actually see the windows at the top open, and heat would just be pouring out, and everybody's sweating on on the top floor. So you've got all this coal that's being burned to to heat these buildings, and then you're just pumping the heat right back out again at the top. And uh, Emerson actually gave them some alternatives to district heating as well. So it's like it's a global problem. The United States is actually one of the more efficient places where we heat and cool our buildings. That reminds me of our old building at KMOX, where I I don't know if it was on the steam loop downtown or not, but they would turn on the heat in the fall. And even if there was a warm snap or something like that, it was just (laughs) consistent. And so it would get (laughs) hot and not really a way to turn that down. Uh, But you may have you may have had a boiler in there. And Josh, uh, you you mentioned about the energy grid. We've had a lot of attention mm-hmm. on that in the last few months. How does this help to um, to reduce that tax on the the greater electric system? And is there a way for even the energy companies to to get in there and help to modulate the use? Yes, and they're definitely incented to do so. Right, like I was saying, because they have all of that energy consumption concentrated in this this very very peaky part of the day. Um, so they'll, they'll go out to consumers uh, in, in mass and say, hey, would you mind opting into a program where we can adjust your temperature in advance so that we don't have this massive peak kind of kind of flattening out that peak, if you will. Um, so that, that there's a lot of energy to be saved there because, you know, like I said, their options are they have to either increase the amount of energy production, which is building more onto their infrastructure, or they've got to buy it. Well, as as Earth Day approaches and, you know, maybe the general consumer is is thinking more top of mind about what they can do, small incremental behavioral changes to, uh, you know, make the world a better place. What are uh, what are some ways that that Sensei can can help? And for our listeners out there that maybe this could be a solution to some of their uh, Earth Day challenges and, and some of the behavioral changes. Yeah, certainly. So um, for most people, the biggest use of energy in their house is keeping it cool or hot, especially cool. HVAC or air conditioning systems use a lot of energy. So 
during during the summer months, if you know you're not going to be home, either set a schedule or take advantage of something like geofencing or your utility partners program to set back that energy usage, right? Um, or you can invest in a more high efficiency system. Or a lot of times, believe it or not, uh, your current system might just require a little bit of tweaking or maintenance from your contractor to make it run more efficient and replace those filters. A lot of people, they, they put the filter in, the, you, it's not top of mind, you don't think about it. And uh, if your system has to cram a whole bunch of air through a dirty filter, not only does it not heat or cool your house very well, um, but uh, you know your air just doesn't flow through as well in your house. And uh, usually that's an inexpensive fix that you can make. Now I feel personally attacked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help you out here, Travis. <laughs> no, I, uh, the, the number of times, you know, six months later that I say to myself, I should probably change my filter. And then I pull that thing out. And <laughs> I mean, I try to take it to the dumpster under the cover of night. So my neighbors don't see just how bad of a, <laughs> a person I am. Uh, and I wonder about all the stuff that I actually am breathing in as a result of not changing that filter. Uh, I almost need a, uh, I need a sensor on my filter that sends an alert to my phone. Maybe I need to set that up where it uh, remind, sends a send a reminder over to me so I get that done more often. Oh, no, for sure. There's a lot of industry stuff going on with indoor air quality right now. And that's becoming a lot more top of mind, especially, you know, we just experienced the pandemic. We're not actually even over with it yet. So, you know, what am I breathing in? Um, that it is, that's becoming a more important topic. You know, if you're a parent and your kid has asthma, for example, uh, it's going to be very important to you. And Josh, you know, Travis just uh, made me think about the, uh, as we move toward 5G, Internet of Things, sensors on everything and anything, um, there have got to be a, a lot of different areas that uh, Emerson can branch out into that are still within this wheelhouse. For instance, a sensor that tells me there's too much dog hair on my filter and I need to change it. <laughs> <laughs> no, most definitely. We have a, actually, a, it's a product. It's called Sensi Predict. It's designed for contractors to install. Uh, as part of your HVAC system, and it will do things like tell you, hey, it seems like your filter is not performing so well. Um, not not a consumer product. You can't go on Amazon and buy this yet. But uh, uh, we do. We are exploring that space because there's a lot of interest in it right now. Well, uh, Josh, you know we've on the that's interesting. You mentioned that because on the con- on the commercial side, you know, uh, management of power and uh, on commercial buildings has been around for quite a while. How? Mm-hmm. What what kind of things do you see evolving into more into the consumer side? Uh, I mean, I can think about all the different smart el- uh, things that I could attach to my house. Uh, is this becoming more of the norm? Taking some of the things that used to only work on the commercial in a commercial building and and get them down to the consumer level. It's an interesting question. So I think yeah, if you look at like a big commercial building, right? At some point, you've got someone doing financial analysis and saying, okay, this is. This is how, how much money we're spending on this. You've got dedicated resources for the monitoring of the building. You have so-called building management systems in place. Uh, up until recently, to your point, I don't think this is scaled down to where it makes sense for consumers, right? Maybe it does now and we just the market is, is being built for it. Uh, but because a homeowner doesn't want to come home and like... <laughs> run a bunch of numbers and check a dashboard, right? They, they just want it to work and it's, <laughs> it's, it's got to be easy. And uh, so like when we were building our, our Sensi thermostat, for example, how do we differentiate our product? And we chose trust and simplicity hmm. because like I said, as consumers, you, you don't want to have to futz with it. Most, there's some people out there, myself included actually, I like to mess around with electronics and gadgets and such, but 
most people just want it to work, right? So if you're going to take something like a, as complicated as a building management system that tells you about your energy consumption, allows you to monitor it, make dis- intelligent decisions, putting that into an accessible, mass, uh, mass accessible way uh, is, is hard. It's a challenge. And that's why you've got product teams working at companies. And we do interviews with homeowners and consumers to try to understand, okay, how do, how do we make this accessible to you? It turns out that's actually one of the harder parts of technology is just making it so that everybody can use it. Do you see AI and machine learning playing a, a bigger role as we move forward uh, so that I don't even have to make the decisions? It just makes them for me? Yeah, definitely. So th- those phrases are kind of overloaded. So let me tell you how I <laughs> see them, right? So machine learning is, is, a, is, a, is a technique you can use to, that in general will build a model, basically, right? So you have a bunch of inputs, like maybe temperature, airflow, stuff like that, right? Uh, and you have a desired outcome, and you can either bang your head against the wall and you know fire up some whiteboards and stuff like that and come up with all the math yourself, or you can say, hey, you know what? Computers are getting good at this, right? And so you, you, you create what's called a machine learning model where you train it. So you give it a whole bunch of different input scenarios, and you say, okay, for these input scenarios, I'd like this to happen on the outside. And then the inside of it is kind of like a big black box with a bunch of wires connected in it. And it starts assigning weights and everything. You don't know what's in there. And frankly, maybe you don't even care, right? Uh, it's a general technique for doing that. So machine learning is real cool because it, it removes the, the need for you to create a bunch of custom math to figure something out. It's like a generic one hammer fits all technique. So yes, uh, there's a lot of complex problems, especially in energy consumption and human comfort that are very complicated how you know what does my airflow look like what is the temperature going in what's the humidity right now in fact if i were to take all those things how does that relate to someone saying yes i'm comfortable or not it's usually a very complicated answer so absolutely i think machine learning is required probably to accomplish a lot of the things that we're doing and in general ai is just the intelligent application of some kind of software automation uh to do a thing for you so you don't have to do it yourself i would say in simple terms so it sounds like, you know, a lot of people, they go, they buy a thermostat, they're thinking of the screws, the display, the physical item that they've got. But it sounds like the real key here, especially with the Sensi, is the software. Yeah. Uh, and, and even more so, I would say it's the experience. Uh, because, like I said, when you, when you buy something, you don't really think about what's inside. If I buy a microwave, I don't think that there's like a bunch of wiring in there and a Klystron <laughs> tube. And Well, maybe I do. I'm kind of a nerd. But... But my point is most people, they just want to press a button and get hot food. That's the benefit, right? So if you're going to buy a smart thermostat, I mean, it might be a novelty item at first where you want to play with it, log into the app. But at the end of the day, you want it to be easy and simple, right? So to answer your question, I think it's more going to be about the application of how do we provide an overall experience? And you're right. We do that with software, right? We have a mobile application. We've got web uh, parts for management of business, the multiple thermostat manager that we have. But it, we, when we build these things and our UI people and our designers look at it, they think, okay, I'm a human and I've got a problem. I'm not a computer, right? What do I need to do? So it's mo- I think for most people, the experience is represented by the application on their phone. It's really not the device on the wall, especially after the first few days. Well, simplicity and trust, those are important characteristics. And uh, would you say those, I mean, maybe those are the two of the characteristics that Energy Star looked at as naming you partner of the year. 
uh, you know, second consecutive year for this. Tell us a little bit about that recognition and what that means to to Emerson and the Cincy brand. Yeah, sure. So I'll go, I want to go into um, how Energy Star does this just briefly. Um, I was impressed by the rigor in the process. Uh, so sometimes you get these things and you're like, okay, big company applied and and uh, you know they've got relationships or whatever. But Energy Star gives you a pretty rigorous uh, set of things that you have to fill out. Uh, where they do not want the system to be gamed. So if you see a product with an Energy Star logo on it, they had to put some real engineering and, and, and resources behind proving that it actually saves energy. So, I mean, I'm tickled when our product gets that because when we first designed this thing back in 2013, right, things like Energy Star were you know distant in the future. So it just so happened we built a device that's intuitive enough that when we do look at the data and we look at you know, how much energy it's, it is consuming across the country. It is truly saving energy. So when we get the logo and we're able to say, hey, this device really does save you energy, it opens up opportunities and markets with energy companies, and it gives consumers a way to trust that they've got actual energy savings. It's not just lip service. So it means a lot to us, actually. And that's uh, that two years in a row. So you've, gone, you've made it through that rigorous process twice. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. You go to the engineering team and it's like, well, Energy Star came to us again because it's renewed. Uh, and then, you know, the first time it was a, it was actually an over a month long process to collect all the data and make sure that it was legitimate before giving it back to Energy Star. I, I would assume my teams are getting pretty good at it at this point because we're going to try to get for that third year. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an honor. Um, it, it, is, it feels pretty good when we make a device that just happens to be accessible enough to where it, it really does help people. Well, let's, let's hear. Let's let's go for the uh, the Interstar Energy Star hat trick. I think that uh, you know, now that we're in uh, a sports town, uh, I think that that would uh, that would play well. And Josh, speaking of uh, sports town, and you talk about your team that's been working on this. As we wrap up with Josh Weaver, the vice president of software solutions at Emerson Commercial and Residential. Uh, Josh, can you talk about? And we also mentioned at the start of the segment about Global Hack, and that was really our uh, big introduction to this product and to what Emerson's doing here. Can you talk about? Emerson being a St. Louis County-based company, uh, the ecosystem here, the growing number of technology companies uh, that you're now amongst, uh, and just building this product in St. Louis as opposed to Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is definitely going to be topical for Travis being his, with his involvement in CIC. But uh, I would say that there is a lot of tech talent in St. Louis. When I talk to upper management at Emerson, right, I, I constantly remind them, like, you know, this isn't Silicon Valley. It's people are starting to call it more like Silicon Prairie because it's, you know, in the Midwest. Um, but there's a lot of talent out here uh, that would love to work on products, and I'd love to hire them. Uh, another company I'd like to plug, actually, an organization, I should say, is Launch Code. Uh, we've got a burgeoning partnership with them, and the folks that go through there, non traditional background. Uh, very diverse candidates come out of Launch Code, and they're really good people. They're very curious, uh, hardworking engineers, and they they want to build this stuff. And frankly, if you can take smart people, if you can take capable people and give them a hard problem, like we've got a cloud, it's got to support millions of connected devices, and you let them do their thing, you know, it's it's not only profitable, but I gotta say, it's a lot of fun. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. And you're right, it is a lot of fun. It's it's great. I'm really glad you plugged Launch Code too. We had uh, we had Jeff Mazer on uh, recently talking about some of the growth in Launch Code, and 
you know, they their success is actually heavily tied to companies like like Emerson taking a chance very early on uh, with mm-hmm. some of their graduates. And uh, it's glad I'm glad to hear that it, it's working out and that those uh, those technologists are finding a home at Emerson and, and able to work on cutting edge technology uh, with with folks like you. Yeah, it's, and it's funny because even just a few years ago, if I told people, yeah, we work at Emerson, we hire software engineers, they're like, Emerson, <laughs> who is that? So, so I, like, I like to get our name out there. And then, you know, I would point out that we are reinventing ourselves as a software company. That is Emerson's push. Uh, we're an old company. We've been around for a long time, uh, big industrial conglomerate, and we see the future of software and we're, we're, we're going there full speed. So if you know anybody that's interested in software, have them take a look. Um, We've got positions open, not just in the stuff that I work on, but in a lot of other areas, a lot of it's Internet of Things. It's really interesting problems. We had a brief conversation about blockchain earlier in the conversation in which we actually apply in some of our businesses. So, yeah, give, give us a chance and give us a look. Perfect guy to talk to, the Vice President of Software Solutions at Emerson Commercial and Residential, Josh Weaver. Thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a great, great conversation. Now back to Nothing Impossible on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back, Michael and Travis with you. And the headline in the Tennessean from this week, Oracle's unrivaled boost to Nashville economy, a generation in the making. What is the comparison between St. Louis and Nashville? What lessons might we be able to get from this deal? Joining us is Jason Hall, Greater St. Louis, Inc. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Great to be back with you. So before we, I mean, I guess one of the comparisons is who has better barbecue, Nashville or St. Louis. We'll leave that for a few oh, that's for a easy. show. <laughs> we'll leave that for a different show. Uh, but Jason, uh, Greater St. Louis Inc. Uh, just as a little bit of you know background for our listeners, it's this uh, this new. Well, I guess it's not too new anymore, but a coalition of several of the other and former uh, economic development efforts are rolled into one. And business attraction is part of that effort. Tell us a little bit about what you know of the Oracle deal to Nashville. And I have to ask: Was was St. Louis? Were we in the even in the conversation? Yeah, no, a great, uh, great question. And, you know, for the for the audience, right, Greater St. Louis Inc. is all about advancing the economy and making sure that all of our residents can participate, benefit, and, and shape that in a model of inclusive growth that, that is sustainable to move us forward. One of the levers we have to pull to bring more jobs and opportunities is business attraction. And, Nashville, um, you know, I went to law school in Nashville, deeply familiar with the community. I also spent time um, with their business leaders and civic leaders, um, you know, uh, over the last several years to understand how they were organized. Their win around Oracle um, is the result of them having a laser focus for the last several decades on being a growth community. The stuff we were doing around STL made, the narrative, they've been doing for 20 years. Business attraction, they've been doing for 20 years. St. Louis just got back in and rebuilt a business attraction capacity 24 months ago. Um, And when you look at this project, it was years in the making. um, And this is the culmination of lots of hard work. So we were not uh, in the hunt on this Oracle deal, but you know, I'll point out just 24 months in with a business recruitment capacity, we did get big wins. Accenture Federal Services, 1,400 high 
tech, high paying jobs. I was in on that deal from day one, highly competitive. When we show up to compete, we can win. So we've got to stay at this and focus, focus, focus uh, for a long period of time. And we're going to be putting up wins like Oracle. Jason, when it comes to St. Louis versus Nashville, uh, in terms of the markets, whether it's trained workforce or some people may say, did the local governments play a role in this? Nashville has done something that St. Louis has talked about. Um, What are the comparisons between St. Louis and Nashville? How do we shape up? Yeah, no, it's great. Well, one, um, they have emerged uh, and consolidated business sector leadership, which is one of the gears uh, in what makes for a great community. It's not not the only one. What we're doing in Greater St. Louis, Inc., we're three months in, they're decades in. So there's just that capacity of how you work together. They also, <clears throat> what I observed, have they do have a unified government, a city county government that that acts as one. It makes it easier to coordinate with the private sector and the public sector to send a consistent message to work with business prospects to get things done. Um, And so uh, I think there's some strong lessons to learn uh, there. Um, And then also because of the decades of focus on being a growth community, if you look at the population growth and the average age in Nashville, it's younger than St. Louis. Uh, we were growing at about a half percent uh, population per annum. They're, they're, they've, they've had growth in the 16 to 17%. So those kinds of eye-popping numbers stand out to businesses because they need to have um, a workforce in order to be successful in the community. Again, they're not coming to solve our problems. We need to help solve their problem, which is be a great place to locate jobs in a great community. And that's what Greater St. Louis Inc. is all about in the business community sector, playing the role that it needs to, to help drive us forward. Well, there's, you know, speaking of consolidation and, and changes in government, Next Tuesday, we, uh, we swear in a new mayor uh, into Shara Jones. Uh, so the, the, the Jones administration will, will move forward. Uh, that's also the opportunity uh, for a new head for economic development for the city uh, with uh, Otis's, uh, Otis Williams' retirement. But talk a little bit about you know, the way that city government specifically and SLDC, the local uh, agency, work with, uh, with an organization and a group like Greater St. Louis, Inc. Yeah, and again, a a huge congratulations to my friend, Mayor-elect Jones, um, already bringing big national attention, uh, positive press for St. Louis, and I'm excited to work with her. We worked together in Jeff City and and over the years, and so it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. Um, Otis is a tremendous, tremendous leader for St. Louis, and I'll give a couple of examples of this. Like, just recently, uh, you know, in the last month, we worked together on um, a, a large uh, national uh, media effort into key markets to sell St. Louis. That's what we can do as a partnership. Geo Futures, which was mapping the, the roadmap of how we become the geospatial center of excellence. Otis and I have worked on that with, with strong community partners um, over the last uh, three years. Think of the wins. We've already built multi-million dollar capacities, the Moonshot Lab, the new uh, accelerator program uh, uh, through MTC, attracting new headquarters. Heck, we're bringing for the first time ever the the International Symposium, GeoInt, 
uh, coming to St. Louis in September. And we're already planning for that. We meet weekly um, to guide that forward. So when you really get aligned on where you're going, and we can focus on some common goals and figure out how to get there in the public and private sectors are moving in the same direction, powerful things can happen. That was the lesson that I took away when I visited Indianapolis and visited Nashville. Doesn't mean you agree on every issue, but it means we're working in the same direction and have healthy relationships for how to work through the differences, draw upon the respective strengths of the public and private sector to get things done. And something that's just happened in that regard is the establishment of Tech STL, Jason, which we've talked extensively about BioSTL and just the incredible job that they've done in terms of positioning St. Louis to be thought of and at the vanguard of the bioscience industry globally, global recognition. Uh, And now you've got Tech STL joining GeoFutures and the others in uh, really trying to establish St. Louis in these, these different lanes. Yeah, it is so exciting. I'm so proud of it. You know, this is another example of we're we're defining what we want to be. You know, Otis's team led the first citywide equitable growth framework that clearly called um, for uh, establishing Tech STL. We're saying what we want to be. We are saying where we're going in the communities mobilizing to find the resources to make that happen. And this couldn't happen at a greater time So um, really, really exciting. All right, Jason, uh, hold on just one second. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, talk to you more about what's happening with Greater St. Louis, Inc. Stick around for more Nothing Impossible right after this. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. And as we continue with Jason Hall, who's the CEO of Greater STL, Inc., our our springboard into this conversation was the news about Oracle placing a large campus in the Nashville area. But uh, we're getting into the future of economic development in the St. Louis area now. We're not going to argue about which city is better. We all know that St. Louis is the better city. Let's just face it. And one deal does not define a city, uh, just as, you know, NGA does not necessarily define St. Louis, but it is a great a great success in that growth and retaining an organization and operation like that here. Uh, but as we are looking to the future, uh, tell us about what you see on the horizon for Greater STL Inc. Yeah, well, you know, we're uh, 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 what we inherited um, from one of the prior organizations that merged the 2030 Jobs Plan, and we made a decision, you know, as a team that we wanted to engage extensively. Uh, with the community around those ideas, that's just a starting point, right? But but really, um, really important. And when we see what we can be from this plan, right, we have a clear line of sight on the industry sectors. We can't be all things to all people, but we can lean into those core industry strengths and focus, 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 and bring uh, those businesses to this community where we have a strong value proposition. Think about what we've done in biotech. That is one of the great success stories. Started 20 years ago, just like Nashville did to be a growth community. And in biotech, we're still putting up big wins. We just recruited Bungie, Fortune 500 headquarters to St. Louis from New York. Bill and Melinda Gates chose St. Louis to be uh, the leader uh, of in location for their global agricultural initiative. Matt Crisp, Benson Hill going gangbusters. I mean, really exciting. So I see us doing that, uh, uh, Travis, over multiple of those sectors. 
I see some amazing um, equity plays that we can make. There was a lot of energy around an initiative called Supply STL, which is to have our businesses here buy local and then use that local purchasing power to help grow and scale diverse-led businesses. Um, I think those are some just tremendously exciting uh, initiatives of what this community can be. We're defining it. we got to work together to make it happen. And it's going uh, to be an incredibly exciting decade. There's so much happening, Jason. I'm curious how how the nation finds out about it. How do we spread the word about what's happening in St. Louis and what's been accomplished and what's on the the horizon? I know that there are lots of one-on-one touch points uh, with people in, you know, from California to Boston, but I'm looking for instance at a STL today story. And there's an advertisement in the middle of it from the North Carolina biotechnology center saying, come yeah. be part of the ag tech leader. Uh, I've seen ads on Snapchat for, uh, I believe Wisconsin and, and um, you know, New York state on, cable television. What do you think St. Louis should do or needs to do to to spread the word to the masses all across the country and change the perception of St. Louis? Yeah, no, it's it is. So, you know, you're seeing in in, in many of those cases the byproduct of decades of work. And when we started, uh, the economic development groups came together a few years ago to launch STL Made. That was the starting point. And it was highly focused on our internal community first. What's happening? What can we be? Who are the people behind it? Um, and really uh, uh, bringing those stories to life. We're now starting to take that national. And you're seeing that in our business attraction uh, efforts. Um, Otis and I just worked together uh, to get, we're going into eight markets with that STL messaging about here are the industry strengths come to uh, St. Louis. So the problem is, right, we're in this market, so we're not seeing it, but we're now hitting uh, some of those uh, target audiences and we're going to be elevating. I think we've got a tremendous story to tell of a community that's come together. Think of the change in our political leadership uh, that has occurred. I mean, this is an amazing story of a community on the rise, and we're going to continue to be pushing those resources. Or like I said, working together as a community to bring the GeoInt Symposium, the biggest global event around geospatial. We're not just going to the markets as we did last uh, two years ago with San Antonio, we're now bringing them to St. Louis. There's no better way to tell our story than to bring those decision makers uh, right here in our own community. So we're pulling a lot of levers to get this story out, but we got to play the long game. Focus, focus, focus. Hey, Jason, what are those eight markets um, that you mentioned? Denver, Philly, San Francisco, DC, Austin, Charlotte, Nashville, and San Jose. We, we laser focused on ones where, you know, we can draw in based on our strengths and there's good leads. So uh, we were trying to be very, very thoughtful, but Charlotte, Denver, because they're trying to make some geospatial plays out there as well. And so we're, we're taking a strong, um, uh, strong message there. What kind of form do you, do you expect that to, to take like billboards or digital or TV or? We're focused on uh, digital right now. That's one where we can have um, high impact and um, in the current environment we're in, uh, that, that's highly effective. But we're going to be, you know, that, that's evolving. We're just coming out of like the high focus of STL made within the metro, right? What is the story? What is happening? We're a growth community in the metro. And so now, is, and especially 
in a post-COVID environment, um, looking at all of the tools that we have available, including in person, uh, going into those markets uh, uh, with our story. There is so much work to be done there. Um, but billboards, um, I, I'm not sure about television in those markets uh, from from a, a cost return, but we're hitting tech, we're hitting geospatial startups. I mean, those are all just key, key messages that we know from some of the research you all were involved with. It resonates with people. Uh, I think I was in Portland and uh, I just happened across a billboard for Alaska that was like nonstops to St. Louis. And that's just cool to to see those kinds of mentions, you know? Yeah. Well, and think of some of the other stuff that just got done recently. The, um, you know, some of it's just telling the story, getting Pfizer, which is located here in St. Louis on NBC Nightly News, reminding us that part of the reason we're going to have a post-COVID um, world and recovery is because of the vaccine. The first vaccine was delivered by Pfizer and that uh, St. Louis Chesterfield facility was one of the key links in bringing that vaccine to life and plays a component uh, role in every single Pfizer vaccine delivered on this planet. All roads go through St. Louis on that. So it was a powerful way to tell our story as as a science-based community, as innovators, as globally relevant, diverse talent. I mean, it was a global workforce that worked on that in St. Louis. Those kinds of stories were, were working to get out there as well. Every vaccine from Pfizer comes through St. Louis or begins in St. Louis because I believe they make the raw materials here. It's is- the raw material. That's right. So every uh, every single one of them goes through St. Louis. And that's why I mean, those are just very powerful stories of who we are, what we're doing and what, what we're capable of in a confident way. You know, we're not making this up. That, that's when we're, it's delivered. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Hall, CEO of Greater STL Inc. Uh, thanks for the update. And we look forward to ongoing progress. All right. Great to be with you guys again. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Nothing Impossible. What's happening in St. Louis and what's coming our way in the future? We've got it all for you right here. Come back next week and we'll do it again. You can also check out the podcast on the Odyssey app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.